Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve that sets us free. Praise the Lord. How about look to somebody and say, get ready, get ready. We're going to get the word tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just sense in my spirit you've been under attack. I want you to picture it now. You've come off the battlefield. You've come in for some encouragement. You've come in for some more battle strategy, more battle plans. I'm telling you, I've already seen the end of it. You're win. You're going to win. You're victorious. You, you just got to stay in this. You got to stay in this. Somebody needs some encouragement tonight. Somebody needs some instruction and insight and wisdom tonight. Somebody needs some guidance of the Holy Spirit tonight. And I believe God's going to provide every bit of it. So for all of you here physically, all of you who are tuned in, just come on, gather with us now. We're going to come around our commander-in-chief. Uh, our, our God is going to give us instruction and encouragement and strategy. And we're going to go out of here charged to win the rest of this week. We're free. We're free. Amen. Free indeed. Praise God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you by the power of your Holy Spirit, the presence of your Holy Spirit, Spirit, the anointing of your Holy Spirit would minister your word in a supernatural way. Lord God, let us not go through a natural event here tonight, but I pray it would be supernatural, divine intervention. Lord, heaven on earth, let it be here manifest in our presence, in our hearts, and in our lives tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. So glad you guys are here. You know, uh, the devil, he loves the lie. He, it's all he can do is lie. If he opens his mouth, he's lying. I heard Judge Judy say one time uh, to a, a, a parent of a teenager, and she said, how do, you, do you know how to tell if a teenager's lying? And the parent said, no. And she said, if their lips are moving. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. God's blessed us with good children and, and uh, here at Christian Embassy, and, and you don't have to believe that. But... What she was saying is true of the devil. If you want to know if the devil's lying, just see if his lips are moving. If he's talking to you, let me tell you what, it's a lie. It's a lie. Somebody say amen. You know it to be true. How many of you know, though, if you don't stay conscious of that, that he'll trick you and he'll make you believe what he's saying as a lie is really the truth and what the truth is is really a lie. He'll flip the script on us, but we are called by God to flip the script on him. We are to bring about a reversal of the curse in Jesus' name. And I pray we'll do that just this evening. So the devil was telling me, you know, we've got a Power and Love Conference started with Todd White and his team that have come into Virginia Beach and starts, I think, tonight. And uh, the devil said, nobody will be at church. They'll all be there at the Power and uh, Love Conference. You should have canceled church and went over there because you knew everybody's going to be there and nobody wanted to be here tonight. And, uh, and, and let, let me tell you what, there's, I, I'm praying that whatever God brings in, G, you know, I was praying about the Power and Love Conference, and, and, uh, and Lord, I said, Lord, I really don't know uh, the hearts of everybody that's coming in and all this, and, and I looked up some of it, and looked, and, and I see where Jesus is loved, and Jesus is, is worshipped, and Jesus is uh, being presented as Lord and Savior, and I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, uh, you know what Jesus said to his disciples, if they're not for us, they're against us. Uh, if they're not against us, they're for us, right? And, uh, and I'm like, praise God, praise God. And I wish I knew a, a lot more, but I don't. But I do know this. They asked us, would we be a church where they could send everyone they get saved to be discipled and grow in Christ? Because they're going to be moving on to another city. And they said, we've studied you guys online and we see that you teach the word. And we want to be able to send folks to churches like yours if that's okay. I said, send them on, honey, send them on. So, uh, 
If anybody's getting saved over there tonight or this week or weekend, I'm just praying uh, as they get saved, they'll come on in Christian Embassy and we'll help come around them. We'll be prepared to come around them and disciple them and help them grow into being all that Christ has uh, deemed them to be. Amen? So let's just go ahead and, and, and go ahead and call in increase in the name of Jesus. There are babies being born. There, there's babies being born right now into the kingdom of God. And you and I, you're going to be some of the foster parents. Uh, in a, I wouldn't say foster because we're blood through Christ. We're going to be blood family with them and help them uh, be, grow and be all God's called them to be. But thank you for being here tonight. And uh, we're excited about what God has given us. Uh, I, I just heard the Lord say, call them in, call them in. They've been in battle. They've been in battle. Bring them in. So if you come in here and you're weary or you've been hit or you've been uh, fighting hard, let me tell you what, this word's going to encourage you tonight. And again, I just want to say, don't believe the devil. He's been lying to you. He has been lying to you. I'm telling you. Remember when God uh, spoke, Father God spoke when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist? You remember what Father God said? The voice that created the heavens and the earth, the voice that created the trees and the animals, the voice that spoke the sun into existence and the stars and the moon and the heavens. That voice said from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And I'm telling you what, when God the Father says something, you can take him, you can take it to the bank. He means it, right? And what does the devil do? Just, uh, you would say, a little over a month later, what's the devil doing? He is coming to Jesus at a time that Jesus has been in, you would say, a battle. And he's telling him, if you are the Son of God, you got to do something to prove it. You got to, wasn't good enough that God the Father said it. We've got to put it in question. And now you got to prove it. Some of you, God's spoken over you, and you've been in the midst of the battle, and now the enemy's come in, and he's trying to get you to doubt who you are in Christ. He's getting you to doubt the significance and the impact of why you were created. See, you were created by God for this particular time. You didn't come in the 1600s. You didn't come in the 1700s. You didn't come in the 1800s. Well, some of you did. That wasn't nice, was it? And, uh, and some, you didn't come, some of us came in the 1900s, some of us came in 2000s, okay? But let me tell you what, we were born with purpose and destiny. There is a specific reason that Father God, the Son, and the Holy Ghost said it is time for you, your DNA, to take breath and life and to take flesh and to begin to live out the years that you're living. I need you. And He has deposited within you and in me the gifts and the anointings and the talents and everything needed to make His kingdom function at 100% here on earth as it is in heaven. I'll take you back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 says that then God, uh, Elohim, you know, that's if you get in the Hebrew, it's Elohim. Now, let me give you a little Hebrew lesson. Uh, we're talking about God, El, here. But when Hebrew, if you want to make it plural, you put an I-M on, I on the end, and that makes it plural. So it says, then God, and you look in the original text, is Elohim. So we see God, plural, speaking. So we see Father, Son, and Holy Ghost at creation. Hallelujah. 
So we see, and that's why you see, let us make them. Let us make man. So we got Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You are made by Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Some of you say, well, I don't know this about the Holy Ghost. He's part of your creation. He is part of making you. He's part of fashioning you and anointing you and putting gifts in you. Come on now. God has made us man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created, Elohim again, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them. Once He gave us form and fashion, He then, he, you might would say, immerses us with the very presence of His blessing. He blessed us, and then He said, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God created you, you're created by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The breath of God is in you. The breath of God, the DNA of God, the call, the plan, the purpose of God is in you. Now we go to Psalms 8 and 4, and we're going to look at a scripture that gets so many times mistranslated. You don't see me do this much, but I had to mark through what some of the translations have translated in our English language because it does not line up with what the original text says. We see it here. What is man that you are mindful of him, that the son of man that you visit him, for you have made him a little lower, and most English translations will say the angels. So, so we have this mentality, it's a bad theology that we are created under the angels when the Bible tells us that's not the case. We were created in the image of God. The angels were not created in the image of God. They're created beings. You and I are created uh, in His image. And here, if you'll go back to the original language, you'll see, it says He's made us a little lower than Elohim. The same Elohim that created us, He created us in His image, but a little lower than Him, not the angels. That's why the angels have to bid what we command the angels to do that lines up with the instruction that would line up with God's purpose and plan and will for our lives. So you have crowned Him with glory and honor. He's talking about you. God has created you in His image. He has created you just a little lower than Him because we, we do have the limitations of what we're dealing with right now. And He has crowned us with glory and honor. And he has made us to have dominion over the works of God's hand. So we saw that in Genesis. He gave us dominion over that, the works of his hand. We didn't create the birds. We didn't create the trees. We didn't create the animals, the creeping things. We didn't create the fish of the sea. He did, but he has made us to have dominion over the works of his hand. You have put all things under his feet. God has put all things under your feet. Do you see what the scripture is teaching you here? Jesus said, I'm telling you, he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom, all authority I give to you over all the power of the enemy, and he by no means shall harm you. He's under your feet. So all things are under man's feet, mankind, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. The sea, <coughs> seas. So I'm trying to bring you back to what Father God has said over you and in contrast to what I know the enemy's been lying 
and saying to each and every one of you, and I'm here to tell you tonight, you matter. You matter. You have purpose. You have destiny. There's a plan of God. You matter. The devil's been telling you otherwise, but he's a liar. You matter, and God puts you here with a purpose so that you can fulfill that and help His kingdom expand. And if you don't recognize that, and you don't do that, then the kingdom of God is going to suffer. It's going to suffer because you're not standing in and doing what you were created to do. We have such a high calling. We have been crowned with His glory. We have this blessing. You've got to look within yourself and say, wake up, wake up. There's greater that God has in you than what you're seeing around you. And it's time for you to rise up and shine and be who God has created you to be. I pray before we leave here, in the next few moments, that that will be stirred within you. Faith will arise and you will act in faith and take hold of the promise of God and the plan of God for your life. Even though you don't know all the details and the steps of it, you're going to go out of here walking it out step by step, day by day, being led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's some amazing verses of Scripture where God gives us the likeness there of His body, the body of Christ. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So there's many members, but one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and all have been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, now that would be a scary thing, wouldn't it? <clears throat> and very sensitive. I, you know, that's what I'm start telling people that are all so sensitive. They let everything get to them. I'm going to say, are you an eye? You know, <clears throat> if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? And now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. God has purpose and destiny. God has a specific plan for your life. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much uh, rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and on, on our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Boy, that needs to be preached today, doesn't it? But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body. Satan's trying to divide and conquer, and God's wanting to unite and empower so that the members should have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. We are one body, and even though we are individually, we have parts and callings and, and destiny that is distinct to us, it is for the purpose of the kingdom. I want to talk to you tonight about a bicycle, a camel, two cows, and a zero. 
Now, if you can take that and make a sermon out of it, you've done a great thing, okay? We're going to talk about a bicycle. We're going to talk about a camel. We're going to talk about two cows, and we're going to talk about a zero. And we're going to somehow or another tie all that in to teach you how much you matter to God. <laughs> Are you ready? Can he do it? I believe he can do it. Okay. I believe he can. Okay. First, let's look at the bicycle. Okay. I know in our house we have bike enthusiasts. I remember Caleb's knees were knocking his handlebars and we were watching him ride in the neighborhood and we're like, you know, this is embarrassing it's for us parents. I mean, we need to get that boy a bigger bicycle. He had asked for one, but he just seemed to grow from this to that overnight. And now his knees are up there hitting the handlebar. So this was some years back. We go and get him a bicycle and, and uh, you know, we get this, made sure it was assembled because it's made of hundreds of parts and pieces. And uh, we, we wanted him to ride it immediately. So we needed to make sure it was assembled all together. And uh, we got home and man, he was so excited. Tires are pumped up. He gets out there and he's riding eight, 10 miles an hour. Zoom, zoom, zoom. We keep seeing him go zoom. And then a little bit longer, zoom. And a little bit later, zoom. And I'm telling you, he was doing it good. His friend Elijah was out there and they were just having such a great time. And then all of a sudden I see him down the road and he's walking maybe a mile an hour, maybe one and a half miles an hour, pushing his bicycle. And I, and I go out to meet him. I say, what's going on? I mean, you were going eight, 10 miles an hour, if not faster. And here you are going a mile an hour. What's wrong? And he looks down, points down there and he says, uh, this chain popped off. Okay. And any of you ever ride bicycles, you know, when the chain comes off, you can keep spinning the pedals if you want, but you look like an idiot because you're not getting anywhere. And, uh, and it, was the chain broken? No. Did he lose the chain? No, it was right there. But guess what? It was not in its place. And the Lord spoke from that incident to me and say, no matter if we even identify who we are in Christ, if we're not in the proper place, if we're not in position to be used by Him, by God, then it's going to slow down what God wants to get done. I believe that we need a... Uh, this is an end time that we're in, and I believe we need an end time revival, and I believe there are millions of souls, even in Virginia, and billions of souls around the world that need to get saved. And there are billions of people that need to get engaged and involved in the advancement of the kingdom of God. Maybe they've called on the name of Jesus, but they've never plugged in. They're not, their chain is not on the spokes or, or on the, uh, the gears and, and they're not going anywhere. And I want to be a church as a part of that. But in order for us to be a church as a part of that and model of that, we've got to make sure our chain is on the sprocket. We got to make sure that we identify the gift and the anointing and the talent that God has given to us to be in this day and time. And then we're in the right position and we're being engaged and used to speed things up towards the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A bike can no longer fulfill its purpose if that one part is not in place. And the same is true. The body of Christ will suffer if we are not in place. We need to search our hearts. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and show us. Because let me tell you what. Some people say, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, honestly, if God wants you to do something... He knows that you're trying to figure it out. He's the creator. He's the one that made us. He's the one that has the purpose and the plan for you. He's created within your DNA to be what he's created you to be. And his Holy Spirit's prompting you in that. 
So if you'll slow down, get quiet, and talk to God and listen to God, you will know the prompting, the pushing that is in you. You don't have to tell the heart to, to, to filter blood because it's like that's not what I was created to do. I was created to pump blood. Go to the liver and let the liver do the filtering, but I'm going to do the pumping because it was created by God to pump the blood. So God's not going to let you walk around aimless and, and not ever knowing what you're supposed to do. He gives us promptings. He gives us guidance. He wants to give us small things to do to see if we'll be faithful in the small so He can give it, get us into that place that He wants us to, to do even greater things for His kingdom. So we're going to talk about a bicycle. We're going to talk about a camel. We're going to talk about two cows. And we're going to talk about a zero. Let's look at the camel. Now, I've never had the, I don't know if you'd say privilege, uh, to ride a camel. I know we're going to Israel, should the Lord tarry, and we don't see it from heaven's viewpoint uh, and take us up in the rapture. I'm, we're going to Israel, maybe even next year. Uh, and uh, I'm sure when we get, we'll probably go down to Egypt. Pastor Dick was talking about walking from Egypt to Israel. She want to, I'm like, did you know, that's, that's a nice little walk. You know, it's going to take us days, I mean, couple of about two weeks if we don't even rest much to do that we're not gonna have a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day what are we gonna do you know and uh backpacking so i'm going to have the nice uh uh range rover and pulling a camper and i'm gonna follow her backpacking and then yeah that's what we're gonna do and uh and if she needs anything i'll be her supply okay praise god but I want to see just how tough she really is. But, uh, so I've never ridden a camel, and I've heard they're pretty smelly at that. But nonetheless, uh, there was an elderly Arabian man, and he died, and he had 17 camels. And if you count those camels up there, you'll probably count 18, um, unless I miscounted them. And, uh, but he had 17 camels, and in his last will and testament, he made it very explicit about how the inheritance was to be divided. He said, I want half of my camels to go to my eldest son. I want a third of my candle, cam, camels to go to my middle son and a ninth to go to my youngest son. Well, the sons were extremely perplexed and dad has really pulled one on, on over us on this because there's no way to divide 17 by two, three, or nine. It's impossible. And they, were, they didn't know how to break up their inheritance. So even though all those camels were there, they couldn't take ownership of the blessing of their inheritance because they only had 17 camels and it needed to be split up half third and a nine. But a friendly, wise neighbor came to their aid and said, look, sons, look, boys, I'll lend you my camel and that will give you 18 camels. And if you take half of 18 camels, that's nine. If you take a third of 18 camels, that's six. And if you take a ninth of 18 camels, that's two. So you eldest son will get nine. You middle son will get six. And you, the youngest son, will get two. And if you'll add nine, six, and two, that's 17. So then there's the 18th camel that he lent them, still standing there, ready to go back home with daddy. Okay. So, so the, the story here is that it's about uh, un, un, unessential necessities, if you could say it that way. What looks like it's unessential, but really and truly, without it, uh, it necessitates uh, that in order for it to be completed. You can't have uh, the thing fulfilled without it. So with that thought of something that may seem small, 
may seem insignificant, like a chain on a bicycle, without it, the whole thing cannot function. And let me tell you what, the Bible is full of 18th camels. If you want to do a study, you'll find them throughout the Bible. People that maybe don't appear to add a whole lot, don't appear to be the big, the mighty, and the strong, but when they are inserted, it makes everything work out. For one, Noah was an 18th camel. You can see that in Genesis 6, 5, and following, where God saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Sounds a lot like what we see today. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. But Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord, for Noah walked with God. Had it not been for Noah, I'm telling you, 18th camel saved our lives. Because without him, it would have been in the end of mankind. But because Noah had found favor in the eyes of God and was walking with God, God started mankind over with and through he and his family. Another 18th camel would be Rahab. If you remember the Canaanite uh, prostitute, uh, she was there willing to hide the spies from the enemy. When the enemy came in looking for the spies that were sent in from Israel, the Israelites that were sent in, and, uh, and, and she helps God's children gain victory and advance in the promised land, uh, we know that she's remembered so much so that she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That the Bible records Rahab's name, Rahab the prostitute, in the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. I'm telling you, thank God that she was one that maybe didn't seem like was adding much, but without her, we wouldn't even have a Savior today. Then there was Gideon. You know his story. He felt disqualified because he was from what he considered the poor family, the smallest tribe. He felt like he was the weakling of the family, probably maybe the shortest of the family, the least influential of the family. He's cowardly hiding from the Midianites when they're coming against Israel. They're in a wine press. And, and, and God uh, has, uh, sends a messenger to him and says, God is calling you as a mighty man of valor. And even though he's cowardly hiding, God is calling him what he didn't even know was in him, but God knew what he created him to be. And he called him out of hiding, and then he takes 32,000 willing men and whittles them down to 22,000 and whittles them down by 9,700, down to 300 men, and with what? A clay pot and a candle or a torch and a, and a trumpet are able to defeat the innumerable Midianites. The Bible says they were without number. They were so many, you couldn't even count them. Let me tell you what, God knew what Gideon was made of and was capable of because he created him. God knows what you are made of and God knows what you are capable of. And he's sending a servant here tonight this pastor to tell you that God is calling you out of the wine press. He is calling you out of the, the shadows. He's calling you out of that place of, of seemingly comfort and saying there's greater things that I've created for you. There's greater things. This world, eternity is going to be a better place because you get in place, because you get ratcheted up to where I need you for this particular time in history. David was another one. The run of the family is so insignificant that when, you know, they're asking uh, for, you know, Samuel's asking for his sons, he, uh, Jesse brings all his boys in except David. 
Didn't even bring him in. Boy, that should give you a complex. And, uh, and we know that when his brothers are fighting and Goliath is cursing the people of God and cursing the nation of God and cursing God and calling for a covenant representative and David is sent to take some uh, food to his brothers by his dad and he gets there and hears that, we know that this was an 18th camel. What seemingly was insignificant steps in and becomes a covenant representative and brings victory to the people of God and for the name of God. We see throughout the Scripture the poor widow. Remember her little tiny coins clinked in the temple coffers and seemingly nobody or nothing much from her. Not what Definitely you weren't going to pay off the mortgage with what she just gave, the widow's mind. Yet Jesus uses her as an example to teach us about the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, God is a professional at using what seemingly is unnecessary or insignificant. So if the devil told you you're unnecessary, the devil told you you're insignificant, you need to smile and say, I'm an 18th camel. I'm fixing to be the, the, the fix to the whole problem. Uh, God's going to use me to, to bring about uh, the advancement of his kingdom. You look at God and how his son Jesus used women in the New Testament. He comes into a culture where women were just property, had no rights. And Jesus did more to elevate the very value of women that we ever see of any human being that ever walked the planet Earth. And uh, we know that the evangelist, the first evangelist that ever preached about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead was a woman. Hallelujah. So we see Martha and Mary and the Syrophoenician woman and the Samaritan woman at the well and Mary of Bethany and the woman who anointed Jesus' feet and, and, and everything over and over, these stories where God is showing us what the world would consider an 18th camel, something that is unnecessary or insignificant. He uses that because he put his DNA in them so that they, for such a time as this, would cause kingdom advancement. Same with children. If you remember Jesus, all the adults are saying, get those uh, nuisances away, those distractions away. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Suffer not that the children come unto me. For such is the kingdom of God. So if you've been feeling small and you've been feeling insignificant, rejoice! Rejoice! God has greater things that He's going to do in you and through you. You qualify. You can say you qualify, hallelujah, as an 18th camel. You're one of them. Praise God. So we said we we're going to talk about a bicycle. We're going to talk about a camel. We're going to also talk about two cows. I like this one. Maybe you can identify with these two cows. They're reading this billboard that says pasteurized, uh, uh, what is that, homogenized, standardized, vitamin D added. One key, and one cow looks at the other and says, it kind of makes you feel inadequate, doesn't it? <laughs> what we, what they take what we give and then they got to do all that to it. Okay. If you see yourself as inadequate or unessential with little or nothing to add to the lives of others, I want you to know tonight that you're an 18th camel. Your, 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 life, your life has value. Your life has meaning. God created you. You're not a spare part. You're not a mistake. You're not something that was uh, sent from another planet, okay? You were created by the very fingerprint of God. The voice print of God. The fingerprint of God. The breath of God. You are here with purpose and destiny. Don't be like George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. You know, there's a little tinkling touch of fall in the air. 
And you know, then it's going to start playing It's a Wonderful Life here around Thanksgiving and all the way through Christmas. And how many of you have ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? If you hadn't, it's a, it's a cool movie to watch. It's a great, it's usually, I think this has been colorized here, but uh, the old one's in black and white. But it is really a good story. But he bought the lie that it would be better off if he'd never been born. Everybody would be better off. The devil told you the same thing, that the world would be better off if you'd never been born. But then the story goes on to say how Clarence, the angel, you remember trying to earn his wings, is helping him out as he jumped off the bridge and showing him what life would really be like had he not been born. Then he sees that his brother Harry never becomes a hero, saving all of those lives in the war because George was not there when Harry was a little boy to pull him out of the broken ice when he fell through and was drowning. Then there's another place where uh, you know, George worked for Mr. Gower, the pharmacist, and Mr. and Mr. Gower had gotten the news that his son had died of influenza, of influenza and, uh, and in his distress that he was in, he was so disturbed over it, he accidentally, uh, as a pharmacist, puts poison in a bottle to send it to a patient rather than the medicine, and George catches that and saves Mr. Gower from going to prison and saves that person's life as well. So it shows that, you know, the story is that your life has impacted and influenced many more, many more lives, more so than you would ever imagine. I'm telling you, I believe eternity is so long because much of eternity is going to be you seeing what you have done and things that you did not do that that you, which was good not to do, and the things that you have done that you should have done, how it has ripple effect and affected uh, people, uh, even eternity. I, I, I know that to be true. Each and every one of us are eternal beings, and our, and our fingerprint and our voice print has eternal value to it. And the thing about God's church is we saw what Paul wrote to the Corinthians through the Holy Spirit is that the church has great need of diversity of people who make up the body of Christ. And he uses the physical body about a finger and a toe and a hand and, and eyes and ears and different things of that showing how the body is one but yet made up of many different parts doing different things. And the same is true with the body of Christ. You and I are not created by God to do the same thing. But we when we do what we were created to do, we make the body function according to its original purpose. So that means that not one of you is unessential and not one of you is unnecessary. Each of you add a rich contribution to the body of Christ, to the church. You matter. And the devil's been telling you, you don't matter, but he's a liar. And I'm here to counter that with the Word of God and the plan of God and the purpose of God for your life and remind you what Father God has spoken over you. You are my son. You are my daughter. He is well pleased. He has created you to do what He would have done to advance His kingdom. Hallelujah. Your presence counts. Your presence counts with God. Your presence counts with me as your pastor. I'm telling you to walk in here and see all of your smiling faces here tonight and to see those that are tuning in. Let me tell you what, helps me understand my importance and what God has called me to do. And the hours and hours of prayer and the hours of fasting and the hours of study is worth it because you are here to receive it. 
but this is, so you matter to me, but more than that, you matter to God because what God's giving me is to charge you to go, to go, make disciples, to go, be witnesses, to go and advance the kingdom of God, to go and be light driving out darkness, to go and be salt bringing preservation and bringing taste to the world. Let me tell you, tell you what, without God, the world has a bad taste. It has a bad taste. And let me tell you what, you and I can make a difference. So I said I'd talk about, tonight I'd talk about the bicycle, I'd talk about a camel, I'd talk about two cows, and I'd talk about a zero. The lonely zero. Poor girl. Miss Zero, she really doesn't feel like much. The other numbers are teasing her, calling her zilch. Kind of cruel, isn't it? So she doesn't think she amounts to anything. She's round, she's pudgy, not the right shape she wanted. And you could see right through her. Little old lonely Miss Zero. Nothing to hide. She often rolled in the corner and cried. But one day she saw a one standing by itself, and that one looked all alone. Uh, it looked sad and lonely, so she walks right up to number one and stands next to him. And all of a sudden she notices a difference. The one seems to straighten up and be taller at the, from its base up. And then she looked and she figured why. Because as she was standing beside the one, the one had become a ten. Her presence did add something. No, her presence didn't only add something. Her presence multiplied it by a ten. By ten. Ten times. So now she realized her presence matters. Let me tell you what, in the kingdom of God, there's anointings and giftings, there's callings that need you to come stand up beside it. You feel like I'm just a zero, I'm a nothing. I really, what can I add? But you will find a multiplication, a multiple. You will help someone go so much further. And the good thing is, as they go, you go, because the 10 is not the 10 without the zero. And it's not that the zero is less important than the one or the one more important than the zero. Together, they make the ten. And together, when we partner with the body of Christ to bring our gifts and anointings and callings and experiences and commitments, we can advance the kingdom of God together. Hallelujah. So your life, your gifts, your talents, your treasures, your contributions, your presence, your time, they all add so much to the lives of others. They add so much to Christian Embassy International Church. They add so much to my life. But most importantly, it adds so much to the kingdom of God. Would God encourage us by His Word and His Spirit this night to hear His voice, to hear what He has called us. You are my sons. You are my daughters in whom I'm well pleased. Rise up and press through the lies of the enemy. If you are. What do you mean if you are? I don't have to prove anything to you, devil. I am. I am called. I am gifted. I am anointed. I have the breath of God. I have the DNA of God. I've been created in the image of God. I have the mind of God. I have the spirit of God. What do you mean? I have the word of God. I've got marching orders from God. Devil, I'm the march all over you. You're under my feet in Jesus' name. We're to follow the example 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was a friend of sinners and the outcast. He was despised. He was rejected. He was humiliated. In the world's eyes, it looked like he was weak. But the Bible says that even Jesus, when he came, being though he was despised and rejected and humiliated and died and crucified and buried, yet on that third day, he came up out of the tomb victorious because he kept to the plan of the Father. He said, I'm not here to do what I want to do. I'm not here to obey my will, but I'm here to fulfill the will of my Father. And I'm leading by example. And if you will follow my example, you can walk in victory too. You can walk in resurrection power too. You can walk in the anointing too. Jesus has led the way. Hallelujah. And I pray tonight that this Word has challenged you. This Word has reminded you. And this Word has called you back to front and center to find your place in the body of Christ. To find your position to find that plan of God and to pursue it. And as you are faithful in the small, He'll keep graduating you to greater and greater and greater and greater things. And one day you'll look back and say, there ain't no way. There's just no way all of that could have happened through my life. But it did. It did. Oh, I felt led tonight to come. Rally the troops. Bring them in off of the battlefield. You've been under attack. You've been hearing the lies of the enemy. You've been hitting from the left and the right. The devil's been challenging you, saying, if you are, you're really not. I don't see you as a child of God. I don't see you as victorious. I see you as sick. I see you as paupers. I see you as always in bondage. I see you as always broke, busted, disgusted. That's who you are. That's who you are. You'll never matter. You'll never make a big dent in the kingdom work of God. What do you think you're doing? Shut up. Sit down. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. I'm here to come to tell you, you matter. You matter. You were created by the voice of God. You were created by the Spirit of God. You were created by the fingerprints of God. You were created by the Son of God. You were created by Father God. You were created, purposed, and fashioned by Him. Created a little lower than Elohim. Right there to dominate to advance the kingdom of God to take charge and to see the kingdom of God expand in mighty ways let it begin to expand in your mind in your heart and in your family and in your home then in your sphere of influence but as we come together as the body of Christ let it expand in this church I'm calling Christian embassy to a new challenge for more souls to be saved between now, I mean, we're coming on Rosh Hashanah, right here at the end of this month. It's the head of the new year. It is an open door. It's an open gate. It's the time. It's the time for advancement. I'm calling us with a challenge for more souls to be saved from this Rosh Hashanah to all the way next year this Rosh Hashanah than ever in the history of this church. And that can't take place unless if you're a chain you're on the sprocket so that the gear work of the bicycle is working. Or if you are a tire, you're on the rim, fully inflated. Or if you're a pedal, you're fastened so that you can help promote and propel this forward. Whatever part you are, whatever God has created you to be, that we as the body of Christ come together 
with this one challenge, this one purpose, that God use us, use us to rescue those souls that are on their way to hell. Many of them don't even know the eternal damnation that awaits them. They feel like, man, hell, I'm living in hell right now. And here we have the answer. Here we have their hope. We have the, the hand of God, the heart of God, the Spirit of God, the sanctifying message of God's Word, the, 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 the salvation message of God's Word. We have it! Let us come together. Use our gifts and anointings as the body of Christ in single purpose to go forward in this challenge. And we're going to bring more souls to the kingdom of God than we've ever seen before. And they're all going to thank us for eternity. They're going to thank us throughout eternity. I've never led anyone to Christ who cursed me. I've had many curse me, but I've never led someone to Christ and after they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, curse me. But I've had every one of them thank me. Oh, let us as a church win the lost at whatever the cost. But we understand first and foremost, we got to know where we fit. We fit into this plan of God. You matter in us winning the lost and then making disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you give your anointing? Will you give your gifts? Will you give your talents? Will you give your treasures to be used in the advancement of the kingdom of God? You say, well, I don't even know what mine are. I would say like this, use a wild card. Lord, I don't know what it is. I don't know all the details of it, but whatever it is, as I discovered, it's yours. Is it his? Or are you trying to build your own kingdom? He said, you seek first building my kingdom. I'll take care of all that other stuff that you think is so important. So, oh my goodness, it'll, it'll chase you down. It'll chase you down if you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Amen? Can we come back to that, that first sold out, total surrender heart where we say, God, for me to live is Christ. And for me to die is gain. To sing that song in our heart and our spirit, I surrender all, all to you, all to you, I surrender. I want to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God. How about you? Let's stand together. Father God, as we stand here in your presence this evening, and Lord, even as this music plays with this very common theme of this song, I surrender all. Lord, I pray that that would be our heart's desire tonight. That we would come back in focus, we would come back in understanding, and we would come back in commitment. That God, You created us to matter. You created us. There's a purpose, a plan. There, you have a place for us. You, you, you have a, an importance for us. And we commit to You tonight that we're going to pray and we're going to seek your face and we're going to study your word and we're going to listen to you, Holy Spirit. And, and as you teach through the word and teach by speaking to our heart and helping us understand and identify and use to full capacity the gifts and the anointings that you've called us with. Lord God, I pray that there would be a total surrender and a total commitment to first cause, to first cause, Lord God, where we first came to you and said, Jesus, had it not been for you, I would have died and split hell wide open. I now owe you my all. Lord, bring us back to that place tonight where we will say, now for me to live is Christ. 
I give you my all. I give you my life. I give you my treasure. I give you the anointings. I give you the giftings. They belong to you, Lord God. Show me how to use them to advance your kingdom and for your glory and for your honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give God praise in this house tonight.